we won't we won't have anybody to do a podcast for. <laughs> <laughs> we need listeners. <laughs> oh, selfish Curtis. Selfish Curtis. It's really all about me. Yeah. You know? We uh, we yeah. knew that from the start. You could Hi, and welcome to Backup Central's Restore It All. This is your host, W. Curtis Preston, a.k.a. Mr. Backup. And with me is Prasanna, the one and only Prasanna Maliandi. <laughs> I like that intro. It's, you mix it up, like, I thought. I was like, I just sort of shake it up Maliandi. I just sort of shake it up each time. I know. know. But it's good. It's good. It keeps me on my toes. Keeps you on your toes. Mm. Uh, How are you doing, Curtis? Well, I, I had a really cool week. I, I had... I I got a chance to participate in a, in this experiment we call democracy. Um, <laughs> Are you referring to Super Tuesday? Actually, I and my wife worked the polls in California Precinct four zero four one eight zero. I was the clerk. She was the precinct inspector, historically called precinct captain. Uh, she would greet people. Uh, and decide, you know, sort of which category, uh, you know, did they get like a normal ballot? You know, did they had to register as a provisional voter or a conditional voter? Or, you know, were they just a mail-in voter and they just needed to hand me an envelope? And as it, it was really cool, also exhausting. We had to get up at 4.30 in the morning to be there at 5.30 in the morning. And then we were there until I think we hit Denny's at about 10 p.m. Oh, my God. Gosh, that is a long... I was going to actually ask what the clerk actually does. So the precinct inspector greets and decides, you know, who who you're going to, you know, she basically verifies your identity, Mm -hmm. right? And then she decides, you know, so she says things like, you're a mail-in voter. Uh, Do you have your mail-in ballot? And the most common answer is no. And so now, okay, well, you can still vote. You'll be a provisional voter, which means you need to go over here and you need to fill out all this paperwork so that you can vote. So that we want to make sure that your vote is flagged so that it gets double-checked to make sure you didn't double vote. So then there's clerk number one and clerk number two. Clerk number one, he handles the conditional ballots. In California, you can register to vote at that moment and vote. Mm. And you can also change your party at that moment. And that person does that. That's literally all they do. Mm. That person called in sick. Um, <gasps> oh, no. And so, uh, you know, we didn't want them there. <laughs> and then and then so I did that job as well as the the cl- the other clerk. My job is to put up all the signs. So the the yellow signs that say polls are this way, you know, all the way down the street and all those signs. Uh, and then all the signage that goes up everywhere that says, here are instructions on what you're supposed to do, a bunch of instructions in different languages on what you're supposed to do, as well as there's a big sign on um, the rules regarding observing the polls. Um, and, you know, all of this signage, uh, that's what I put up. And then I actually manage the ballot box. So I am the person that you hand the ballot to 
And then my job, you hand it, uh, the typical ballot is in what they call a privacy sleeve. Yep. And then my job is to hold the privacy sleeve and slide the ballot into the ballot box without seeing what they voted for. And then also, if you're a mail-in ballot and you bring in that ballot, uh, I have a separate bag, which is a yellow bag, and then the ballot goes into that. Interesting. Yeah. And then at the end of the night, my job is to pack up everything I just said <laughs> into a box. But the job of the precinct inspector and the assistant inspector is to actually count all the ballots. They don't count votes. They just count the numbers that the number of ballots they've received match the number of signatures they have on the book uh, and the number of provisional ballots that we're supposed to have and the number of conditional ballots that we're supposed to have. We were actually off by one uh, provisional ballot and we th- we were short one. And we think it's because when I was on break, the assistant uh, inspector, I'm totally throwing him under the bus but I really don't think he's listening to this podcast. <laughs> the, we think that the assistant inspector, while he was doing my job, put one of the provisional ballots into the mail ballot bag. Mm. But the mail ballot bag is sealed, gotcha. so we can't, can't go, go back in there. there. So the most fun part of the day that uh, that that I got to do, it's technically the job of the precinct inspector, but since I was married to her, I yeah. begged for this job. And that was to go outside at seven o'clock in the morning and say, hear ye, hear ye, the polls are now open. That is and, pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty cool. And then it's, you say it, you say the same thing at the end, you know, hear ye, hear ye, the, the polls are now closed. And I don't know, I just thought that that was just an amazing, cool thing to do. And so- I went outside at 6.45 and um I saw this guy and there was a guy already, you know, in line. And I said, Oh, you're the first voter. And he said, he said, yes, I am. And I said, well, you do know that the first voter has some distinct responsibilities. And he said, I do. So the, the first voter is job is to look in the ballot box and verify that it is empty as well as the mailbag to verify it is empty. Mm. And then we seal both of them. And that's to verify that we as precinct workers haven't stuffed the ballot box uh, prior to the process. You know that you have some duties. And he said, yes, I do. And uh, he says, I I said, oh, so you've you've done this before. And he he looked at me and he goes, hear ye, hear ye. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You've definitely, uh, yeah. yeah, so it was just, it was, it was really cool to see the whole process. That's pretty good. So now my question for you is how was the turnout? I know there's a lot of scary stuff happening right now in the world. So. Yeah. It's difficult for us to judge turnout because our precinct, when we look at the registration list, about 90% of our precinct was mail-in voters. Mm. But when we look at the, the blank spots, <laughs> you know, where, where the M was not there, I think we had a pretty high percentage of that number. Okay. Right. You know. Yeah. And, but were people being cautious because, you know, the coronavirus is going around and we've had a lot of cases now in the U.S. So are people worried? Like, were people prepared? For instance, was there hand sanitizer on hand? Were people wearing masks? So no one was wearing masks. There was not hand sanitizer on hand. Did did people bring Um, their own pencils or pens? They did not, you know, it's, it's, you know, what's interesting. I didn't see anyone from the voting public. I didn't see anyone doing anything that I would put into the category that you're talking about, but I did. So I, uh, wore, I felt I was the one at most risk because the things that are going into my hand have been touched by every single person, right? 
including the pens. My job, oh, my most important job is to take the ballot marking device, aka pen, back from the voter, right? Yep. Um, and so, you know, the, we we were sanitizing the pens on a regular basis, but but still, you know, that who knows how many people that voter touched, you know, and all that yeah, stuff, yeah. right? So I wore gloves uh, the whole time. <clears throat> and, um, uh, but nobody else, nobody else did, but they did do the, the hand sanitizer thing, Th- this coronavirus thing. I, th- I thought we'd do an episode here where we talk about it, right. And we talk about, uh, how it relates to it. I, I wrote a, I wrote an article for network world, uh, which I'll, I'll put a link in the description that talked about this. And so the question is, so first off, let's just talk about, let's just talk about coronavirus, like in general, and then we'll talk about IT. I, I think, I don't want to be chicken little, but I think this is definitely, there's definite serious cause for concern, right? Um, just to throw out some numbers, which are somewhat terrifying, but I'm just going to throw out some numbers because there are some who are saying that this is no big deal and it's just like the flu, blah, 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 blah. So here's the thing. The flu kills... How many people do you know? Do you know the answer to this question already? In the U.S., every year, how many people die of the flu? I do not, but if I had to guess, maybe like less than ten thousand. Yeah, the best estimate is somewhere between forty and fifty thousand people die each year of the common flu. So that's a data point. <laughs> in the U.S., by the way, that's specifically in the U.S. Another data point is that it has a 0.1 percent morbidity rate. Okay, meaning. 0.1% of the people who get it die of the illness, predominantly people with other risk factors. And right? the elderly as well and yes, things like right. that too. But it's a 0.1%. Mm-hmm. So yesterday, uh, the, the World Health Organization came out and they estimate that the morbidity rate of the uh, COVID-19, which is the actual formal name of this, is 3.5%. Yeesh. Which is thirty-five times greater than point one percent. Yes. So let's just do some math. There's a big if. If and and also it's similar to the flu in that you can carry it and spread it to other people before you're symptomatic and know to go get checked and to quarantine yourself. That's mm-hmm. the problem. That's the real problem with this. That's because it's like a fourteen day before it starts yeah. showing symptoms, right? Yeah. Let's just assume that. Because of our activities, you know, because we just, as a general rule, we don't we don't do a lot of things that we're supposed to do. Let's just assume that COVID nineteen spreads in the U.S. as quickly and as much as the flu did. Uh, what's thirty five times forty thousand? Like one point two million. One point two million people. That's a lot of people every year. That's assuming that's assuming a lot of things. It's assuming we don't get a vaccine. It's assuming that 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 it does spread in a similar way. There's a lot of assumptions, but that's taking the morbidity rate of the one and comparing it to the morbidity rate of the other, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I think there's definitely cause for concern. And so it's why that, but I don't think we should be terrified, right? Because still the chances are, chances are you won't get it. Chances are if you do get it, you will have a very, you know, you will, you will not die, but um, exercise caution. But you should exercise caution. And actually, sorry, the correct number would be 1.4 million, not 1.2. Yeah, we'll see. See, if we'd have had my friend Rob, hi, Rob, if we'd have had my friend Rob on here, he would have done that math and it said no problem. 
He's really yeah, good at I those know. big numbers big number of math um but you and i apparently not so much this is why we this is why we have computers but that's a significant number of people who could potentially right not be here right right Right. and that oh and by the way that number you talked about the 1.4 million that's just the u.s that's just the u.s right and this is kind of now spreading throughout the world yeah so the numbers are going to be significantly higher as well right Again, that's assuming we don't get a vaccine. That's assuming it spreads the same way. And, you know, there's a lot of assumptions there, but I think I think it's going to be worse before it gets better. Yeah. Um, and what was and it? So, I think recently I was just seeing, like, I think a couple of weeks ago, China just said that they're not seeing any new cases, I believe. Yeah, they've definitely slowed down the infection. Yeah. I, I, but, I, well, once they stop, there, there were some good things that came out of this. I don't know if you've seen... The Google mm, map? Have you seen the satellite photos? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where yeah. basically okay. they look at the pollution in China and notice yeah. they, a <laughs> significant drop. But I did see recently, I think it was yesterday, that they said that the pollution is starting to pick back up again. So they think people are going back to work and are starting things back right. up again. Right. But but, but the, just to go back, like China's decrease, right? They I think what the first case was reported back in December. Right. Yeah. On this. So it was about three months before they started to see that decline, right? Or at least no new cases, I should say. Yeah. Right. So it well, did I'll take some. This. It's a good day to be a stock owner in Zoom. I, I, <laughs> yeah. So Zoom, Zoom, if Zoom is up 120, well, 100%, it's 2x its value. That it was in December right now. Because everyone are looking at alternatives and just kind of switching topics a little. You're starting to see people also being cautious or corporations being cautious. I know there have been a lot of conferences that have been canceled. I heard like NVIDIA canceled theirs. I know that Kubicon, which was out in Amsterdam, they've pushed theirs out. Right. So there are lots and lots of companies who are either pushing out their conferences, suspending travel. Right, yep. just trying to keep things safe. I even heard some companies saying, telling their employees just work from home. Yeah, well, I know. For example, uh, it was a uh, uh, wasn't it Amazon? Amazon, like basically, they <clears throat> there were any company who where there were at least one person, um, you know, d- 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 tested positive, right? So then they're like, okay, everybody work from home while we figure this out, right? Yeah. Um, so, so let's talk about that, right? So, um, by the way, you should so do our just, disclaimer. Prasanna and I both work for Druva. This is not a Druva podcast. The opinions that you hear are our own. We are also not health experts. Um, but having said that, just going to throw out a few things. Here's another question for you. Yes. Surveyed. Uh, there's a couple of surveys, one, one funny slash sad, and then one serious. Do you know the percentage of people, there were a certain number of Americans, Americans, no A, they were surveyed and, and they, there's one thing that 38% of them said they're not going to, under no circumstances, will they do this thing because they're afraid they're going to catch coronavirus. Do you know what it was? Drinking Corona beer. Drinking Corona beer. Yes, which way I win. 
Take that, Rob. So, yeah. So, Corona is uh, going through a rebranding right now. They're calling themselves Ebola beer. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah. So, pork. Yeah. So, the 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 uh, usage of Corona beer has gone down yep. <laughs> significantly. Poor Corona. Yeah. Um, but here's another really important. What percentage, according to a recent survey, what percentage of people surveyed do you think wash their hands correctly and correctly as defined by washing your hands for 20 seconds or more with soap? I would say less than 10%. Yeah, it was five, right? So now the number one thing that we can do to stop the spread of this virus, as well as the flu and other airborne is, viruses is wash your hands is wash your hands you know what's kind so, of crazy is like little kids like when you're growing up when you're in kindergarten the teacher always tell her preschool they tell you wash your hands make sure you sit there in front of the sink and wash your hands for 20 seconds and then as adults you kind of forget about that which is a little yeah. scary supposed to be like 20 seconds including the fingertips because actually that's repositories of of bacteria um, what yeah, song do so, you sing to time it? I've heard huh? happy birthday songs. I, so th- people are like, how long is 20 seconds? And I've heard some people recommend singing the happy birthday song. And that's approximately about 20 <laughs> seconds. I, I, I watched the, the daily show just before, uh, that's what I do for my lunch break. And they were talking about it on there and they said that it was, uh, the length of one Cardi B verse. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. No, I, I, I actually do the, the counting thing. I do the thousand one. I'm boring. I should get a better, I should get a better, um, I need a 20 second song. Yeah. But everyone, I guess the big takeaway is please make sure you wash your hands. Wash your hands for 20 seconds with soap, then rinse them. Um, and, um, uh, yes, and then- I, I guess that's a key point is if you put soap on your hands and then start washing, rubbing them under the water, that does not help. Yeah, that's not the same thing. Yeah. Um, And then think about what you do after, you know, all of these things. These are things that I don't think we, as uh, other than like germaphobes, we don't historically think about these kinds of things, right? But uh, when you think about like, think think also about the really sad statistics about the number of people that don't wash their hands after using the restroom. Think about that when you're leaving the restroom after you've just washed your hands. Use don't your towel to open handle. the darn door. Yeah. Right. Don't touch. Um, yeah. Yeah. And um, and then also like don't touch your face. And um, I, I heard some crazy stat that like people touch their face like 30 times a day at least. That wouldn't surprise me at all. I mean, you know, you scratch and you, you know, wipe your nose or. Don't rub your eyes. Don't. Yeah. Don't rub your eyes. Um, the oh, and cough, you know, cough into the crook of your arm, not into your hands. Please do that. And um, what's the other big thing that's escaping me at the moment? Don't shake hands. Um, oh, yeah, that's it. Don't shake hands. We've talked quite a bit about the virus itself. How might this affect the workplace? So we talked about Zoom a little bit here. So they're not the only way to work remote, but I think a lot of companies are. Well, the other big thing, by the way, to go back to the other list, if you are not feeling well, stay home. Yeah. And... I think what you will see is perhaps the work culture might change a little bit. I think historically, uh, at least in this country, historically, we have 
not sort of, we, we sort of look down on those who call in sick. Yep. Right. Um, and that hopefully that will, that will change. Right. Yeah. So stay home if you're feeling uh, ill. Also get the flu vaccine, <clears throat> not because it will prevent you from getting coronavirus, but it will prevent you from getting the flu and thinking that you have coronavirus and preventing. Yeah. That's the other uh, thing is especially a, yeah, the testing, right? I was just going to yeah, say, well, because we don't have enough tests within the U.S. to be able to test for right. coronavirus. And so, right. yeah, don't waste someone else who might actually have it being tested. Yeah. Go get the go get the flu vaccine. Um, it's free at a lot of places. Uh, you know, Google free flu vaccine. If that's a if, um, you know, money's an issue, um, just Google that. Um, but, but yeah, so I mean, speaking yeah. about companies, so like, yeah. I know, Curtis, you often work from home. In fact, today, I'm actually working from home as well. As but, am I. <laughs> but there are more and more people who will be starting to work from home. And I guess the question becomes for a company which might have been used to people working in a location, accessing data mm-hmm. locally, right? This changes a lot of how things get done. Yes, it does. Well, it, it, if, it if you have... From an IT perspective, if you, like you said, if you're used to what I'll think of as now sort of traditional IT, where you have, let's say, a file server and data is made and created on said file server, um, you that's not going to work if everybody's remote. Yep. And then also now, so if that doesn't work, then what are people going to do? Like I'm so, working on a document I, and I can't access a file server. What? What's? What's? Like naturally, I'm just yeah, going to start so, doing well, it locally. Yeah. <laughs> so I'd say the first thing that they should be looking at is they should be looking at SaaS services wherever possible. So SaaS collaboration services, right? So Zoom is an example of that. There are there are competitors to Zoom, um, but look at things like Office 365 and G Suite. I, I my, again. My opinion, I prefer G Suite as a collaboration tool over Office 365. I like the, I like how two people, three, five people could be editing a document at the same time and it's totally fine. That is not the case on Office 365 and anybody who tries to say otherwise has never actually done it. <laughs> um, you know, I, I, I've done, I've, you, we actually have, you know, uh, uh, Druva has both Office 365 and G Suite. Yes, I prefer PowerPoint over slides, uh, but th- there is nothing like the the ability to for multiple people to be editing a document at the same time without any worries of you know duplicates and all that kind of stuff that you have with with Office three sixty five. Um, anyway, so look at that. So so if all of the copies of your data are in the cloud, then this becomes a much easier data protection problem to solve, right? Yep. Um, because then you back up your, <clears throat> man, I really do have a, this is not, I think it's my brain. You know, you've ever, I have kids and every time your kid comes home and they say that there's like lice at school. You think that you have it. And so you started immediately you're immediately your, um, it's like a psychosomatic, but I, I do have like, <laughs> I have like a frog in my throat kind of thing. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> I hope you don't get any on you over there. I hope that uh, Zencaster does not spread coronavirus through the microphone. 
What were we talking about? about oh, we're talking SAS about, yeah, and we data want to back. So we back up that SAS data because that's now you know that is your central repository of all knowledge. So that's but, those but, but, kind of documents. But, but I guess though so the question is right. What are the benefits from a company perspective of doing things in a SaaS service rather than having everyone do things on their laptop? Is how do you manage all of that data and making sure that it is being backed up properly? Right, because you can't necessarily trust the employees will do the right thing. No, you cannot. You cannot. <laughs> well, I'm just saying. I'm just saying that that collaboration, ah, gotcha. specifically collaboration, is way easier. I'd say it's near impossible to do without a SaaS service if your employees are remote. Oh, for sure. Right. Okay. So that's that. The the then the next thing is what if you're creating data on those laptops. That's not the kind of documents we just talked about. Let's say you're making video. Let's say you're making, you know, a podcast recording. You're, you're not going to be doing that in the cloud. You, you, you can record it, but you're not going to be editing it. At least I don't, I mean, I could, I could be wrong. I don't know of any cloud-based podcast editing services. Mm. Um, I also don't know of any cloud-based video, like nonlinear editors. I don't. There's, yeah, it's just the, the laws of physics are against you at that point. But so if you're doing anything like that, <clears throat> where you're creating data that is now the company's intellectual property and you're storing it on the laptop, um, which is actually, that's a long list of kinds of things. I, I definitely think that you should be backing up your laptops. I mean, I think everybody should back up their laptops. It's a relatively inexpensive thing to do, especially if you use a service. Um, you don't have to use ours, but obviously Druva, Druva has that, um, you know, a few bucks a month for, for each user and, and you, you make sure that you, you, you know, you can deal with things like upgrading OSs and all that kind of stuff. But right now what we're talking about is coronavirus. If everybody's remote backing up their laptop seems like it becomes much more important than it is in a, you know in a, in a data center situation. And then I guess the other question also is even just protecting the data on the laptop. Like if people are working remotely, if they something happens to their laptop, how do they stay productive? Like if you're going to your corporate office, you could just swap well, out you know, your laptop, a, go to it. You're good. You're good to go. Right. That's <laughs> a really good point. Right. So if you're backing up your laptop, in a way that allows you to restore that entire laptop, including the personality settings and all those settings that you do when you get a new laptop, um, then you could theoretically, uh, not just theoretically, but you could do more IT support remotely, yeah. which which may become more important um, <laughs> later yeah right and, and i'm even thinking about things like are people going to start now looking more at like vdi instead of traditional things running on I your laptop i mean i don't i mean i'm not a vdi expert but i i don't think vdi is a good solution for lap for fully remote people i think it's i think it's that's the kind of thing that you do when you're in a data center i think that there's too much there, there's too big of a bandwidth requirement i would think um, I may be wrong, but I, I don't I don't think that's a solution for remote people. At least but, for making sure your data is secure, backed up, et cetera, it might make more sense. And that way you don't have to necessarily worry about is the laptop being protected and all the rest. Yeah, it would solve that problem. I just don't know if it would work. <laughs> <laughs>
again, I'm not a VDI person. If there are any VDI people that know different, then feel free to, you know, respond to me. Um, and um, and then there's also, I, I brought up in the article, I talked about being more prepared for disaster. And this isn't so much a cause and effect from uh, coronavirus or any other virus. It's if you everybody's working remotely, nobody's there to activate your physically based DR plan that you have that involves going and getting a box of tapes and taking them to a place to do some stuff. So if you're going to be prepared for everybody being remotely, you need a fully automated cloud-based DR system. Yeah, because you don't, yeah, because who wants to show up at a data center <laughs> and try to deal with all of this? Yeah. Um, but if you, ha if you have, um, you know, if you've done, if you've made the, the, this is, this is yet another argument for, you know, moving to the cloud. Um, that um, you don't have to worry about that. But I have a question for you. Yeah. So, yes, you as a customer don't have to worry about it. But don't you think the companies who are providing the cloud services, do you think they're also going through the same sort of questions? I, you know, it's funny. <laughs> your, your brain went to the same place I had. And we mentioned earlier that I, I think it was Amazon that said, you know, work remotely if possible. I, I think that that is a concern, right? Um, and I think that, people that have to work. Most of these data centers are almost like lights out data centers. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and that they could manage it in such a way that people aren't up against each other yeah. in, in ways that, right. And then they just have to, they just have to um, follow all the precautions that we talked about. Right. Um, so especially it's not, for it's not the, impossible. Yeah, especially right, for the but. data center operations folks, right? It's, okay, how do I deal with hardware failing, be it disk drives or whatever else? And I'm sure they're always constantly looking to expand as well. So scheduling, device installations, hardware installations, all the rest of that too. I'm sure a lot of, like you said, the normal operations process is probably automated, but there's still certain things which you need people for. And maybe, hey, maybe there are robots that'll soon do that stuff too. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if robots Amazon going and pulling discs. Have robots. Exactly. What's that? Robots going and pulling discs. Why not? Why not? Why not? I can get food um, delivered to me down the street with the robot. Why can't I get? <laughs> why can't yeah. a robot go and pull a disc? You know, to go back to the um, to the poll worker thing. You know, we got up at four thirty in the morning. We get there five thirty in the morning. I realized at about like six in the morning, I was starving because I did not. I did not think about the eating fact that before I, you go? I didn't eat before I went. And so I ordered a dozen donuts via Uber Eats and tipping the driver ended up costing me like 30 bucks. <laughs> yeah. it's I And that's the other question I actually have is, so imagine people are now working remotely, right? They're not leaving yeah. their houses really. They want to avoid going to public places. Do you think that demand for Uber Eats, for Amazon, for ship yep. delivered to home will go up? And the other question I have is, aren't these people going to have the same issues, though, where they're now exposed to so many different people, just like you were as a poll worker or precinct worker? You can deliver food without interacting with the people. So it is possible. And that's what they did in China, right? Is that if you really needed something, you ordered it and it would come to you. 
right? So any any further like IT? I think we should ask the listeners if your company is having a policy where they want remote workers and you're in the IT field, how, what are you what are your plans? How are you going to address this? What are your thoughts? Reach out to us uh Twitter, um Gmail, please let us know if you want to talk about it or even just shoot us an email. Uh I'm at WC Preston on Twitter and you're at P Maliandi, right? Yep, at P Maliandi. So let us know, DM us or just uh tweet us and let us know. Yeah, and I'm, my email is wcurtispreston at gmail.com. And uh, you know, if you've got any ideas, anything else that you didn't that, that we didn't think about, I guess that's about it. Yeah. Please make sure you wash your hands, be safe out there. Twenty seconds with soap, then rinse. Yeah. Then think about how you're drying it afterwards. <laughs> um, but in all know. seriousness, no seriousness. Yeah. Be safe out there and hopefully this thing kind of curbs itself at some point. But yeah, the best we can do. Yeah. Yeah. Otherwise, you know, we won't we won't have anybody to do a podcast for. <laughs> <laughs> we need listeners. <laughs> oh, selfish Curtis. Selfish Curtis. It's really all about me. Yeah. You know? We uh, we yeah. knew that from the start. Yeah, okay. As long as we're all as long as we're all <laughs> we're all on the same page there. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks. Uh speaking of which, thanks for listening and uh make sure to subscribe to the Restored All podcast so that you can restore it all. There was a file, but I deleted it. Too bad your backup system isn't worth a spit. Finally, I needed your backup. You had a chance to fix it, instead it's all jacked up. See how I'll write on Facebook about you. Don't underestimate the things that I will do. There was a file, but I deleted it. Too bad your backup system isn't worth the space.
a run Hoping that just for once it'll be completely done Maybe one day it'll